Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about one of my favorite subjects. And let's begin by turning to Luke chapter 24, where we will read verses 1 through 7. In that passage we find, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again? He is not here, but he has risen. Have there ever been more significant or thrilling words than that? I don't think so. The very word gospel means good news, but have you ever stopped to consider what makes it good news is the resurrection? Without the resurrection, the story ends in tragedy. Because of the resurrection, it ends in unparalleled triumph. The resurrection of Jesus was not some kind of abstract fact that the early Christians believed nor was it just a philosophic or theological concept that the apostles preached. It was a well-established fact with incredibly far-reaching consequences. The empty tomb was there. The risen Jesus had been seen by a multitude of people. The apostles went out and declared, We have seen him. And so strong was their conviction that they were willing to die in support of that truth. When there were some in the city of Corinth who were beginning to question the reality of the future resurrection of all people, Paul, in a most powerful way, set forth the impact and the meaning of the resurrection of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 15, beginning with verse 12 and continuing all the way through the remainder of the chapter, he explained what was going to happen. For our purposes in this episode, let's read verses 12 through 23 where we find now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain, your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God, because we testified against God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. 
If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, after that those who are Christ that is coming. Paul's argument is simple. If there is some valid reason why Christians cannot be raised, then Jesus was not raised. If that be the case, then all of the faithful preaching, as well as the faith of the Corinthians that that preaching had produced, all of it was in vain or worthless. Paul himself would have been found to be a false witness. All were still in their sins. Those who had died as a Christian had perished in a deluded state, and all who continued on in such belief were of all men most miserable. But there was no good reason to deny such a well-attested to fact, nor to deny the great power of God. The great and glorious eternal God, who gave life in all of its abundance and beauty and glory, can most certainly raise the dead. The resurrection of Jesus is the greatest argument showing that God can and will raise his faithful followers to a life of eternal glory, and oh, he will do that. That then brings us to the main point I want to talk about in this lesson, and it is so important. The resurrection of Jesus cannot be truly understood or appreciated without considering the connection it sustains to our hope. And that is what I want to talk about, hope. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-9, through 9, Peter wrote the following, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. It is like Peter was just overflowing with praise and thanksgiving as he wrote of the merciful God who had given us hope through the resurrection of Jesus. And this hope was a living or lively hope. It isn't based upon something that is not true, and it absolutely changes the life of the believer. It is what makes us do what we do. It is what energizes us as Christians. If Jesus had simply died and remained in the grave, what would be the point? But because our Lord rose from the dead, we have the joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. It is the hope of eternal life that Paul talked about in Titus chapter 1 verse 2 and Titus chapter 3 verse 7. We have that eager anticipation of the end of our faith, which simply means the culmination of it. 
when faith is realized in the deliverance of our souls from the consequences of sin, and we get to go home to the incorruptible, undefiled inheritance that awaits us in heaven. My friends, the resurrection of Jesus is the foundation of the hope that belongs only to Christians. Indeed, the resurrection is a fundamental fact of the gospel. As we mentioned before, it is what makes it good news. Paul in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 23 wrote about the hope of the gospel. And in verse 5 of that same chapter he wrote, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. The faithful in Old Testament times had hope, but it is easily seen that hope is not stressed in the law of Moses as it is in the gospel. In fact, even the Hebrew words translated as hope do not express the same strong sense of desire and expectation that we have in the New Testament through the resurrection of Jesus. In the Old Testament, the words for hope means wait, tarry, trust, confidence, make secure, or safe. But in the New Testament, the word used means favorable and confident expectation, happy anticipation. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew writer wrote in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 19, For the law made nothing perfect. And on the other hand, there is a bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. For the rest of our time in this episode, I want to spend it talking about the benefits of the hope that belongs to the Christian. I want to look at some of the things God's Word tells us hope does. First of all, let's turn to Romans chapter 8, verses 24 and 25, where we read the following. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. In a very real sense, hope saves. What person would give up the pleasures of sin and devote his life to the service of the Lord if it were not for abundant hope that is a part of being a Christian. Just like a farmer must have hope in order to plow, plant, and cultivate, we need hope to be motivated to be saved. That is why so much of modern religion has no real meaning to it. It has no hope that reaches beyond this life and is concerned only with the here and now. Without hope, who would endure? Hope connects us to the eternal. Secondly, while we're in the book of Romans, turn to chapter 5 and look at verses 1 and 2 where Paul wrote, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. Hope causes rejoicing. I think of the Ethiopian eunuch that we read about in Acts chapter 8. Here was this fellow, perplexed by what he was reading as he read from Isaiah 53. He wanted to know the true meaning of what he was studying. Philip began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Here was a man that did what was necessary. And after being baptized, verse 39 tells us, When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. What caused the rejoicing? That's simple. He now had hope. It was hope that turned the jailer from suicidal despair to what we read in Acts 16, verses 30 through 34. It says, And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? 
They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds, and immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. And he brought them into his house and set food before them, and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. Hope causes rejoicing. Third, we were in Romans 5. Let's go back there and look at verses 3 through 5. Paul continued on and wrote, And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Hope gives perseverance. It causes us to hang in there. Without hope, why persevere when things get tough? What difference would it make? But with hope, we can endure. We can have patience and be steadfast. As we said, hope connects us with the eternal. It enabled the early Christians to endure all manner of horrendous persecution and mistreatment, and it can do the same for us. Fourth, let us look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 8. Paul exhorted the Thessalonian brethren with these words, But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. When a soldier prepared for battle, the last thing he put on was his helmet. It was the crowning part of the armor of the Roman soldier. It protected the vital part of man for it was from the head that all the other parts of the body received their directions and commands. Hope gives protection. In our battle today, if we cap our spiritual armor with the hope of salvation, and that hope is real and strong, then Satan's darts will not be able to penetrate. I think of another passage that makes essentially the same point, and it is found in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 through 19. Those verses say, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil. What a beautiful picture of the protection hope provides. The ships of that day were comparatively small and had little protection against the storms they encountered. Consequently, they relied heavily upon the anchor. They trusted that it was sure and steadfast, keeping them safe in the sometimes turbulent waters of the seas. Oh, doesn't the sea of life get turbulent sometimes? Sure it does. It is our hope, which is really anchored in heaven, that protects us at such times. Fifth, my friends, I'd like for us to look at something else that hope does. Turning to 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, we read, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Hope purifies. This is exactly what happened when Paul went into the city of Corinth and preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9-11, through 11, he wrote, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. What do you think prompted them to change? It is the hope of the gospel. It is that which connects us to eternity and is anchored in heaven. People don't change their lives and leave sin behind for this world only. Experts wonder today and pontificate about what is wrong with our increasingly corrupt society as it continues to slide down the slope of immorality and degradation. The problem is no hope. Remove the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and this is all you have. And it's not much. Six, let me tell you something else about hope as we bring this episode to a close. In the past 41 years or so, I have been with many faithful Christians whose time on earth was running out. I have been there on the day they died, and indeed, at the very moment they died. I have seen people pass over with incredible calmness and comfort, and there is only one explanation for that. Hope. In Hebrews 6 and verse 11, we find, We desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope unto the end. Hope gives assurance. Hope gives comfort. It is why Paul could write in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6-8 through 8, the following, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. One of the most distressing set of words found anywhere in literature is found in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12, where Paul was describing the previous condition of the Gentile Ephesians and really the condition of any unsaved individual. He wrote, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Having no hope. That is your condition if you are not a Christian. Reach out to the hope of the gospel. Become a Christian and join with us in looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, from Titus chapter 2 and verse 13. I hope you've been benefited by these words today. Thank you for listening.